My message today is entitled, It's Your Time. Last fall, I taught a whole series on the Ten Commandments and how they apply to us today. Um, Many times I'm sensitive to what God would have me to do, and so it's not necessarily a pattern that I follow, but rather than what I believe God is having us speak. But for a long time I've prayed about this next uh, series. We're going to start a new series. And I've been waiting on God's timing, and I believe now is the time. Um, A series that many people have asked about. The events going on in the world today demands that this topic, this series, be studied and taught to keep us prepared for the Lord. This series will focus on the book of Revelation. It is a mature study, and one that immediately relates to many things happening in the world today. I want to begin in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so remember that word revelation means God reveals something to us. Okay? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants. Things which must shortly take place. And He sent and signified it by His angel to His servant John. This book begins with a statement that's often overlooked when one studies the book of Revelation. Too many times people jump to the letters to the churches or jump to all the prophecy, but there's a very important statement in this very first verse. It says, things which must shortly take place. Now understand that this was written almost 2,000 years ago as the Lord inspired John to describe these events taking place shortly. Here I would tell you that this is the Lord's shout-out eternal life. It's something that is in the vocabulary of all Christians. We all say that we have eternal life with Jesus, and we do if we repent and come to Him and receive His salvation by grace and by faith. We talk about eternal life all the time, but I don't think any of us could possibly understand what eternal life is. We can't possibly comprehend it to its full measure. In a way that's too trivial often, we talk about eternal life for those who choose to repent and follow Jesus. But we don't understand the importance of how very, very little time we have here on earth now. Maybe I can give you a small glimpse of this comparison in a new way. Think of a single drop of water. You put that drop of water into a gallon of water. If there was a way to mark that drop and track it, you might be able to look close enough to see it moving through that gallon of water. But now if you put that drop and you put it into a swimming pool, it would likely be lost very quickly. And then now take that drop and dump it into Higgins Lake. It would instantly be lost. But now imagine that single drop being deposited into the ocean. You would never be able to find that drop again or even have any proof that it existed. But now, imagine a trillion worlds the size of our earth with the same amount of water as our earth. And your drop is just one tiny microscopic part. For comparison purposes, 
your life is that drop. And all the water in all these earths is still less than eternity. If that is the case, then tell me why any of us waste days or time of our very limited portion that has been allotted to each of us. How do we waste time? It's more than what you think. I'm not talking about our downtime where we're resting or recharging our batteries or enjoying the blessings of God. I'm not talking about our downtime. I'm talking about our uptime. Time when we're called to build our faith. Time when we're called to follow Jesus. Time when we're called to use the time that's been so graciously given to us to bring about change. To affect the world. To be Jesus' hands and feet feet and mouthpiece to the world. And time for us to grow closer to God. There are several ways that we neglect our uptime. When we read the Bible but don't apply what we learn, we're not taking full advantage of our time and resources at hand. God's Word is not meant to give us just a, an aha moment, but now how can I apply this to my life to change my life and others around me? When we go to God in prayer, only for the reason of asking Him for things, we do not make full use of our time. Of course, this is a very important reason to pray and we're commanded to do so to intercede for the needs of others. But if we are also not spending regular time praising God, which means unconditional. Today we sang, I exalt Thee, which means no matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to choose to exalt You, God. If we're not spending regular time praising God and thanking God and building our relationship with Him, letting Him know how much we love Him, then we are not using our time and opportunity to the fullest. Remember, we have but a drop. Also, if we go to God in prayer only with our agenda, but neglect to let God lead that prayer time with His agenda, if we do all the talking but fail to stop and listen to God, to what He would want to say to us, then we're hurting ourselves and we're limiting God in our lives. One of the greatest blessings in the, of the Holy Spirit living in our hearts is that He convicts us to change if we are open to Him. If we truly want to follow Jesus, then we will want to become more like Him. This means that we are willing to change. We are willing to be vulnerable with God, expecting Him to convict us of the error of our ways so that we can apply His truth by His grace and His power into our lives. But this willingness comes with our approach to God. Let me share this uh, verse from a prophet of the Old Testament. His name was Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2, verse 1 says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what He will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. This is from a prophet hearing from God, and he's describing his prayer life and how he approaches God as an example for us. His first priority is not to give God a list of things that he wants from God. His first priority is to watch and see what God will say 
to Him. This is so different than the way that most people approach prayer. Be honest. When you go to God in prayer, are you quick to listen? Or are you quick to speak? Do you give God time to speak? Do you give God opportunity to speak by combining reading the Word with your prayer? Because that's one of the ways that God speaks to us as we pray. He speaks to us through His living Word. And the words come alive like God is speaking directly to you. Prayer and Bible time should go together often so, so we can allow God to speak to us what He would want us to hear. If you're not allowing God to speak, if you're not giving God time to speak, how do you know if you have a godly focus? And how do you know if you are in God's will? Habakkuk then focuses on what happens after God speaks. It's not time for the wish list. On the contrary, the next emphasis is on how he will answer God when he is corrected. Notice he didn't say, I will see what I will say if I'm corrected. He says, I will see what I say when I'm corrected. In other words, every time we go to God, we should be expecting conviction or a course correction from our divine navigator. And now, it doesn't happen every time. It doesn't mean that God's going to correct us every time, but we should be expecting. God, let me know where I'm off so I can be pleasing to you, so I can stay in your will. Listen, if we go into prayer expecting to receive course corrections every time, then we won't get so bent out of shape every time we are convicted by the Holy Spirit. We will accept His conviction and receive His correction and apply His course adjustments immediately, not so that we can be shamed or feel guilty, but that so that we can get that out of the way and we can grow closer to God and remain in His will. There are so many things in the world today pulling us off the path and leading us and voices that sound like God, but they're not, that are pulling people off the path. Our greatest need is to stay in God's will as times get so confusing as they are today. Growing in Jesus is all about change. The only way we can become more like Jesus is by expecting conviction and being willing to change our course without denying that we are wrong, without complaining, without justifying our actions, and without blaming others. Now, I will tell you I'm just as guilty as anyone else. But hopefully by the Holy Spirit's power and by us praying for one another, we can all encourage one another to be diligent in following God. One who is truly following Jesus is one who is open to change and open to God's instruction on a daily and constant basis. You can either rest, you can either resist His conviction, or you can expect His daily direction. It's your choice. But your life and your attitude and your faith and your well-being are directly proportionate to your choice. You can go to God without letting Him speak first, or you can go to God and see what He would say to you, seeing what He would convict you, seeing how you respond when you're convicted, and then seeing how your life changes because of that. As this world gets more unpredictable, 
and more out of control, it becomes more and more vital that we are in God's will. Our life is so very, very short. One drop. These things in Revelation are said in the Scriptures to very soon take place. In fact, some of these things are happening in the world right now. Many people say, well, when, when is the tribulation going to come? And when is the persecution going to come? And when are all those things going to come? Because we've not seen it yet. I will tell you, places in the world right now, they are experiencing their tribulation. Places in the world right now, it is against the law to be a Christian. People are losing their lives. Getting their heads cut off. Very difficult things. They are in their tribulation right now. We may not see it here yet. But it's already happening right now. These things are happening which God calls the body of Christ to be diligent to follow His lead, to pray for our brothers and sisters and be ready. We are called to be ready for Jesus. In light of eternity, how can any of us justify wasting our time fighting a spiritual fight with physical or verbal means? You can choose to respond to the threats of our society by putting your focus on man, or you can choose to put your focus on God. Just understand that no amount of protesting or political posturing or verbal arguments will usher in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the only hope we have. This is why God gives us precise warnings and clear instruction in the book of Revelation to keep us ready for His every move. Therefore, I ask you to approach this topic, this study of the book of Revelation, and this series, not in the same way that you have approached other topics or other sermons. As a united body, we must be committed to hear directly from God for our church and for our families, and for ourselves. And we also must be open for conviction. We must be committed to change. We must be willing to apply what we learn and go deeper into His Word than we have in the past. As the Bride of Christ, the church, I'm talking about the overall church is called the Bride of Christ, we are commanded to make ourselves ready for Christ's return. That's why we are studying this book. Revelation 1, verse 2 says, John bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. This divine revelation was given to John. It was intended for all to see, for all to hear, using the Word of God as a key to understand the depth and purpose of this prophecy. This verse defines a key component of spreading the Gospel. John bore witness. It denotes more than just what he saw. Just because he witnessed it, it it's not just saying what he saw. Being a witness is being an active participant in spreading the Gospel. God revealed Himself to John knowing that John would share what he saw with others. This is the pattern that's laid out for us to follow. As Christians, we understand that it's more than simply an honor to be given a revelation from God through what we see or what we hear or what we experience. Our witness of Jesus Christ in our lives becomes a responsibility as we testify to others, as we share with others what's going on in our lives. 
of what He's showing us in His Word. We do this through our words, and we do it in our actions as we willingly make changes to our lives, applying what we have learned. Through how we live in front of others, we too bear witness to Jesus Christ. I will tell you that other people are always watching your life. They are not looking for perfection. They are looking for failure. They want to see, will you still worship your God when things are going difficult in your life? Will, they, will you still worship God when you lose your job? Will you still worship God when unfair things happen to you? When people start to question, is there even a God? Will you still worship your God? And they are hoping that you don't. Will you still exalt God unconditionally. People are watching. So how can we be a witness if others are expecting us to fail and fall? Don't we all fail? Of course we do. That's why we need Jesus. But more importantly, we need to understand that failure by the world standards is not the same as failure in our Christian walks. In other words, your witness and your testimony will never be stronger than right after you've fallen right after you've blown it, right after you've taken a fall, when you are weak and you've totally blown it. That's when our witness and your witness is the strongest. It's here where the world steps in and says, you have lost. Your faith didn't save you. You're a hypocrite. You're a sinner. You're a failure. And if we listen to these words and feed our minds with this poison, we will walk in condemnation and shame and lose all of our power. But if we remain humble and stand on the truth of the Word of God, we will rise in His power. In fact, Jesus gave Paul a key to this victory. Now you know that Paul wrote much of the New Testament. He did not live a perfect life. In fact, he said... Not only was he a sinner, he was chief of all sinners because before his conversion, he used to hunt down Christians and kill them. And yet God gave him grace to stand and He gave him this key to his Christian walk. And I believe it's key to all of us as we share our witness with others. You know this verse. It's 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Paul is writing, Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, the only way to access perfect strength through Jesus Christ is for us to humble ourselves and admit our weakness. We must come to the end of ourselves and acknowledge our need for Jesus. We can't say, I'm going to try Jesus, or I'm going to see what it's like. We need to say, I cannot do it. I am weak. I am wrong. I cannot reach you, God. I need you, Jesus. We must not be afraid of what others think of us. Because if we fight back, if we deny our need for God's grace, if we deny that we are weak, and we deny that we need help, then we will have to rely on our own strength and receive nothing from God. When others try to shame you because you are weak or because you are wrong or because you are a failure or even because you don't have enough faith, what they are really doing is trying to get you to turn to your strength 
instead of God's. But the Scripture here asks us for perfect strength, which we can only access in weakness. If you want perfect strength to get back up, to stay in the race, to continue in God's will, then you have to admit that you are weak and that you are nothing without Jesus Christ. That means that pride in your life has to be given a death blow. Because of pride and fear and ignorance, many people will never do this. They will never say that I need Jesus and I'm nothing without Him. They will never say that all the blessings I have is because of Christ and not because of me. They will never say that I'm wrong and I'm utterly lost unless I have Jesus in my life. And yet that is the truth. It's the only way that we can access perfect strength. Many people would not admit that they're wrong. They won't admit that they need help. They simply won't fall all the way down. They will try to break their own fall by their shame or by their embarrassment of what others might think of them. Yet when you are desperate for God in your life, when you truly want to follow Jesus more than the world, you will come to the same revelation that Paul came to and you will hear Jesus speak these very words to your mind and your heart and your soul and into your personal situation. You will hear Jesus speak to you, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast or I will brag that I can't do something. I will brag that I am weak. I will brag that I need Jesus because when I do, the power of Christ will rest upon me. Now that we understand that our time is short and we need to remain humble and also that we have a responsibility to share our faith, let us read on with this purpose in mind. Revelation 1, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. As we agree to study this book of Revelation, we must be willing to take all things to heart and engage with this text. The blessings are not simply on the surface. We need to dig deep. The blessings are in the application of the word. We are blessed when we read and or hear the words of the re this revelation. God makes Himself accessible through reading or hearing the words that have been said. Either by reading or by hearing, we receive what God intends us to have, but it doesn't stop there. To complete our blessing, we must keep the truth written in thereof. Now, he doesn't mean merely just keep it and hold on to it. He doesn't mean keep it to ourselves, but rather keep it by taking it to heart. If you keep the Sabbath, that means you continue to honor the Sabbath. If you keep the law, that means you continue to follow the law. God asks us to keep His Word to receive this blessing. We need to seek understanding from God taking heed to the warnings and choosing to live and pattern our lives according to how God calls us to live. Romans 12, verse 2. Such a powerful verse for the times we live in today. It says, Do not be conformed to this world. Listen, the world is trying to get us to pattern ourselves after them. The world is trying to get us to fight spiritual means by, by, in, a, by the physical way. 
The world is trying to get us to use our, our verbal attacks to change things when God says you have to rely on the Spirit. You have to trust Me. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, we need a mind transformation because when we're attacked, our flesh says it's only logical to attack back. Our flesh says it's only logical to cut somebody down or to express how unfair this is. Jesus faced more unfair things than we ever did and He opened not His mouth. He fought a spiritual battle by spiritual means. To transform our minds, we can't continue to fight a spiritual battle in the world today by verbal or physical means. We have to pray. Many of you pray for my wife and I, and I appreciate it. Maybe you don't even know why you're praying. Yesterday, I knew why you were praying. I was driving down a dirt road yesterday, about 10 in the morning, helping a buddy of mine that lives in Harrison. I was going over a little hill, and I noticed a car coming at me about 50 miles per hour. It was driving in the middle of the road. And I had very few minutes to react. And so I moved over even more to the right side. And when I did that, that car moved over completely in my lane as well. And I was coming down the hill. I had seconds to react. And as it came by, I put my wheel in the, in, in the grass. And I can't believe it didn't hit me. Somehow it went by me. I... Part of me thinks that went right through me. I don't know what happened or how that happened and the guy just kept on going. I don't know why he did it, if he was drunk or what, but he just a moment of chicken on a, on, a, on a road. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for your prayers. It's why we pray, because we are fighting a spiritual battle and we are fighting it using spiritual beings. That's what we have to continue to rely on. And all the more as we approach the day of Christ. Is to rely on spiritual means. Do not be conformed to this world. Transform your mind, which means don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't lose your logic. If someone gives you a prayer request to pray, then pray. Don't call them and tell them all the things that they should do to fix it. If they ask you for support, it's one thing. But if they ask you for prayer, then pray. Prayer changes things. I say this to you again. This cannot be just another sermon or another message or another topic of study. Our time is short. A single drop. The world is pulling out all stops right now to get us to focus on our securing our own enjoyment or securing our own security or our own salvation. We must not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may be able to prove His perfect will in our lives. Now, we can still enjoy one another. We can still enjoy the blessings of one another in our lives. We can still enjoy the beauty that God has created us to enjoy. But we must understand where we are in this time. We must be willing to ask God to sanctify us, to set us apart, and begin living an intentional life that is set apart by Him, to be used by Him to bring Him glory and expand the kingdom of God. Ellen, Ellen Catalanis and I have been reaching out to Philip, our missionary that we talked about earlier. And we've asked him to share his needs, his prayer needs. And in one of our letters he said, if it be God's will that He doesn't want us to suffer any persecution, then protect us here. 
But if it is God's will that we go through persecution to share our faith, then give us strength to stand in the storm. So many times we avoid persecution or challenges, and, and maybe God is saying, I'm going to put you through a storm, but I'm going to be with you every step of the way. If that's the case, God, give me the strength to stand in the storm so I can still share my witness with you. I had recently asked Philip, I'm in contact with him every week, and I asked him for some testimonies. Many times we think of testimony, and it's great. We talk about our testimonies as being I got a new job or I got a new relationship or this happened in my life or someone paid the bill, and those are all testimonies. But I want you to understand a testimony from one of our missionaries in the field. He said someone in their church who was recently saved got a, came into a, someone who was against Christians and they poured acid all over his body. And he sent us a picture of this young man. He had burns all over his whole body. And in the picture, he has this biggest smile on his face. And Philip said that in, when they took the picture, this man who was burned over his whole body was still shouting praise to Jesus. We can't understand that. But I will tell you that sometimes God allows us to go through difficult times and He gives us strength in the battle. Sometimes He takes challenges out of our way, but we must be willing to continue to follow God and knowing that He will give us strength to stay in the storm if need be. We do all of this to understand that our time is now. That God has anointed and appointed this time for you. It's your time. It's my time. It's our time as a church to receive a revelation of things which are shortly to come. If you are willing to press into Him for such a time as this, to grow in your faith, to stand with your fellow brothers and sisters, and to rightly handle the responsibility of receiving and applying the Word of God to your life, then I invite you to commit to this journey with me as we ask God Himself to reveal His truth, His healing, His love, and His direction so that each of us remain in His will. Let it be our solemn expectation that we will come here each week to meet God through this time. You're not coming to hear the music or to hear from me. We are all coming to hear from God. All of those things add into that experience, but we should be coming purposely to hear from God. God, speak to me today through Your Word. Let us be willing to see things from His perspective that we would align our will with His. Let us be open to conviction. Let us be willing to change. Let us be ready to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ for such a time as this. And finally, let us be willing to be used of God in whatever way He sees fit. If He chooses to bless you because of all the blessings that you share with others, praise be to God. But if He chooses to use you in an unfair situation so you can demonstrate forgiveness to someone who maybe doesn't deserve it, then praise God. If He chooses to use you in a great trial so that He can build your faith and share your faith with others, praise God. Let us be willing to be used by God in whatever way He sees fit to be salt and light in this world that others may know that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior.